In this episode of Photo Work, we talk to published media makeup artist Tanya D. Russell, who's got more than 20 years in the game. She currently works for Nordstrom and Hot Look, as well as her many celebrity clients. Yeah. In this episode, among many things that we talk about, is the struggle between Instagram influencers and pro makeup artists. So enjoy. We're so excited for you to be here on our show today. Yep. Yay. 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 Thanks um, for having. Yes. Yes. Thanks for coming out here. We appreciate it. Yeah. I wanted to start out with your story of how you got to be the amazing person and artist that you are today. 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 So, uh, well, I come from a family of musician and artist, either that or crazy eccentric um, scientist. There's kind of that dichotomy happening in the Russell family. So, uh, went through all of high school thinking, sure, I was going to be a lawyer. Okay. Absolutely 50,000% thought that. Started college with the intention of being a lawyer. After a while, my parents were like, what is going on? We paid for every dance lesson, music lesson, art lesson, this, that, and the third, and now you're talking to me about being a lawyer. What I did not. So, unlike most parents, they talked me into <laughs> going into the creative <laughs> arts. So, um, while I was at UCLA, I had a lot of friends who were in the film school, and they would ask me to do some little, if I could do some little makeup for their films and what have you. And I was like, sure, because I wasn't really thinking about it one way or the other. And uh, it was one of my friend's photographer, photography professors who came up to me and said, you know, you're, uh, you're really good at this. Have you thought about doing this professionally? And I was like, nope, doo -doo -doo. <laughs> and uh, let it just kind of slide for a few more years. But I actually started getting calls for work. And then I was like, OK, well, if I'm going to do this, then I need to learn what the heck I'm doing and, and you know, do it for real. So went back to a makeup school that no longer exists, because it's back when dinosaurs roamed the Earth, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, learned everything from beauty to beasties, as we say. <laughs> in the makeup world, um, started out doing films, quickly realized that I disdained doing films. Not like, oh, this is okay, but whatever, but like deep hate. Mm -hmm. And the issue for me was that when I was getting interested in makeup and all that thing, what interested me was photography and fashion and beauty. And so doing like monsters and all that stuff was not at all what I was trying to do. I don't even watch horror movies to this day. I do not like them, etc. So it was during that time that I kind of stopped doing makeup that I met the lady who would ultimately become my mentor. She used to own an agency for hair, makeup, wardrobe. I was never repped by her, but she's been my mentor pretty much to this day and told me all about how to get started in this part of the field. So that was, again, about a million years ago. But the rest is history. Got my first little jobs through her tutelage and started working with photographers and doing about 150 bazillion music videos, like seriously. <laughs> like people are amazed because the radio will be on and I'll be like, oh, I worked on that music video. Mm -hmm. Oh, I worked on that music video. <laughs> yeah, so, and then it kind of went from there. Are you still doing music videos? I don't. I tell um, because, which I'm sure we'll get into, but mm -hmm. I also have taught makeup. Mm -hmm. And I tell my students that music videos are kind of a young people's game. They, especially nowadays, they don't even pay well. At least back in the day, they used to pay reasonably well. Now they don't even pay anything. And they're very long. They're very hard. Mm -hmm. uh, there's one music video that was on that I won't name the director. Mm -hmm. But if Joseph Kahn could work a crew for 24 hours straight, he would. 
he's awesome, but he's a nut, and he just wants to just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And there's a time, there, after a while, you just tap out on doing that kind of hardcore, mm -hmm. overnight, nasty locations, mm -hmm. but then the pro finished project looks great type of jobs. Yeah. 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 It's a lot of that in music video world. So I haven't done one probably for a couple of years now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And where are you at now? Like, what is your jam now? My jam now is definitely advertising mm -hmm. and lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, I really like traveling to this day. I know a lot of people uh, get burnt out by the travel part of it. I actually love the travel part of it. Um, I love shooting outdoors mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to studio. I mean, I love studio too, but it's just different. I just like, I just love being outdoors, mm -hmm. just straightforward. And um, I also found that I like change a lot. So as opposed to like TV and film where you're with like the same crew doing the same characters, blah, 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 for an extended period of time, I like being thrown into a new situation pretty regularly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that is my jam and I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a question about uh, just how makeup has changed over the years. Because you've been in the game for a bit, so you've seen probably from different eras. What 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 have you noticed in changes in uh, makeup? Yeah, that uh, that is a topic that is vast and multifaceted. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there's both the makeup art itself that has changed and then there's the working as a makeup artist that's changed the working as a makeup artist has hit everybody from the highest artist in the in the stratosphere highest level artist in the stratosphere to everybody just starting out and all of us in between and whether you're doing film or tv whether you're doing print it's just the working in the industry has changed and the big change was the fact that how, how much budgets changed um, and how they hire us has changed because of that. And, um, yeah, they just, there's just not as much money in the industry anymore as there used to be. And you can, you can definitely feel the difference if you were there before versus now. And I tell students sometimes some of the rates that you used to be able to get on some jobs and just wash their face, like melt off onto the table. <laughs> Cause you know, I mean, I don't want this to turn into rate chat necessarily, mm -hmm. but like, for example, a lookbook nowadays which I don't even do anymore because the rates are so low, I hear that people are getting anywhere between $200 and $350 a day. And um, <laughs> I remember being in this Facebook group once talking to my friend Anthony, who's an amazing makeup artist, and we just had half the Facebook group crying and ready to leave the industry because we were talking about, yeah, back in the day, you used to easily get $2,000 for a lookbook, and once you were finished, you just left. It wasn't like this 20-hour day type of a situation. So that's changed the game quite a bit. And I hear the same thing from my friends. I've never, like I said, I tapped out of film pretty quickly. But I have friends who are department head of film, and they're saying that's the same thing. Like, there was this article about um, the makeup artist who did, um, oh, the name flew out of my head, Jared Leto mm -hmm. and Matthew McConaughey that had the clinic for transgender uh, Dallas clients. Dallas Buyers Club? Yes, yeah, Dallas Buyers Club. There was a famous story about how that makeup artist had to work with this ridiculously low budget for the entire run of production for makeup. And I just think stories like that are not great. <laughs> we don't want other producers to get the idea that, oh, well, they can get it done with, uh, you know, 50 cents and a box of cotton. It's like, no, yeah. we, need, we need better than that. So 
So that's an interesting thing that's developed. As far as the makeup itself, um, Film and TV has stayed pretty consistent. Uh, the only real change being, of course, HD changed the game dramatically. It's where a lot of people like myself who were print artists got into film and TV because you have to be way more precise and all the things that you always had to do in print, you now have to do in TV. Whereas before, you could get away with a lot of things because it was a small moving image. Um, on the beauty side, I mean, makeup has just gone insane. Like, what can, I mean, what can you say? You can log on to YouTube or Instagram or what have you and see anything from what I would consider gorgeous, this gorgeous, flawless, you know, immaculate, perfect execution to just, you know, some 13-year-old girl or boy doing whatever on their face and both get to call themselves makeup artists. And both might actually be making, you know, income based on what it is that they're doing. It's become a real, it's become the wild, wild west out there. <laughs> so that's why I'm always specific on, on calling myself a media makeup artist because I'm not a beauty influencer. I'm not a bridal artist, which is its own art form. I do not put, out being a, put down being a bridal art, artist. Not by any stretch of that is not what I mean when I say I don't do bridal. It's, it's I'm not good at bridal. I'll be the first one to admit it. I am bad at the bridal. I do not have the right temperament for the bridal. I want the person to really... It's kind of the same problem why I never... I hesitate to say this, but earlier on in my career, it's kind of the same problem why I didn't pursue celebrity more. I had to calm down in order to do celebrity. So it's worked for me as I've been just become older and been in the business longer because I'm really at the soul level still not super interested in hearing what somebody wants from me this <laughs> is really not what i want what i want is to do i'm very much on the creative artistic fashion beauty side so that's just my own preference so i applaud all of my friends who are beauty artists who can really handle the psychology of doing that kind of work because it is very much so um, and that's industry's changed a lot too because everybody, Bebe and them, everybody do, does it. And a friend of mine is actually prepping for, she doesn't do bridal very often, she's doing it because it's a, a friend of hers. Um, but it's a very specific type of wedding. It's a traditional Indian wedding which has, can go days and has multiple changes. And uh, my friend is going to do the bride but she's trying to hire other artists to do the party, which is, first of all, the party's huge. And then second of all, these people are submitting and they're saying that they do makeup for like $50 a face or whatever. Ah. <laughs> where, where do they do that at? Where, is it, where does that happen? So it's very, um, it's, you know, it's a challenging time. I could really, really go on and on and on and on until the break of dawn about this subject, quite frankly, because I can just think of so many things that have been affected by the way the industry has just gone from a very clear and distinct like terminology like you knew what it meant when someone said that they were a makeup artist to just the wild wild west mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. you right. mentioned you could talk on and on to the break of dawn so let's let's go out a little bit we got some time okay 
So what if I? Because you mentioned more the about change, but there's changes. even more like facets between that. Just like it seems like the last two years have just been. No I definitely feel that in the makeup industry. It seems like the last like two or three years has just gone bananas. Um, so where I see it affecting the industry and affecting people that want to come into the industry as makeup artists or what have you is no one is 500% sure what to do anymore. They're not exactly sure. I can see it with brands. I can see it with consumers. I can see it with uh, students and aspiring artists. And I can see it with pros. I can see everybody. There's just this element of confusion. So like when the beauty influencer thing first started out, makeup artists, by and large, pro makeup and pro hair, were very aggro about this is our turf. These people aren't real makeup artists, this, that, and the third. And they, in turn, were very aggro back to us. Well, this is the new thing that's happening. Maybe you guys are just old and don't understand this, that, and the third. I, you know, I remember this kid <clears throat> having this hilarious online conversation with uh, a, I believe he's British, he's British or Spanish. Anyway, European makeup artist by the name of Pep Gay. That he's, I pick him specifically. He's not like Pat McGrath. He's not mm -hmm. like where everybody just knows this name. Mm -hmm. So you can hear the name Pep Gay and not realize that you are talking to a guy who's been in the business for 20 years and has done fashion at the absolute highest echelon that people dream of doing it. Like Vogue cover after La Ficielle, after L, after, I mean, that's all he does. And his work is so exquisite, I can't even, I can't. And so he posted this picture that was just of an extremely clean makeup. But the skin was so flawless that if you know what you're looking at, like you would look at the mm -hmm. picture and die. Mm -hmm. I looked at the picture and die. I looked at the picture ever. I must have stared at that picture for a good five minutes straight. I mean, the skin was just indescribable to me. Here comes this kid. She needs highlight and contour. <laughs> and most people in the thread were just aghast. And I forgot if he responded or if it was somebody else that responded, like, well, why do you think that? And, of course, the kid couldn't articulate really why, because it's just what you do now. Mm. And I've seen that in other instances as well. Um, actually, a really good demo on Makeup for Mature Women that um, Sean Richards did. And Sean Richards started out as a print artist, became a film artist, and does little projects like she did Halle Berry's makeup for Cloud atlas mm -hmm. and stuff like that you know nothing big that anybody's ever heard of <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> so she did this woman's fake makeup and it was gorgeous and here comes mister she needs more contour and highlight and um and sean was trying to explain to this kid that this is an older woman who's already just lost some of the fat in the face like you do as you get older and she had really strong bone structure because she d used to be a model back and she might still model lifestyle modeling whatever but she used to be a fashion model back in the day so she had really chiseled cheekbones, and Sean was like, no, she'd look, she was trying to be nice about it, you know, with the kid and trying to talk to him. And he just wasn't getting it because he was so insistent because that's what you do nowadays. And finally, Sean was like, she doesn't want to look like a cadaver. Hello, she does not want to look like a cadaver. <laughs> and it's that kind of, of dichotomy that's been, that kind of tension that's been happening in the industry for a minute. Like, really trying to understand, <clears throat> not be so judgmental and so aggro like we were when it first started happening, but really trying to get you to get people to understand that, like, well, no, these are different things. And you don't want to do all the things all the time. 
there's times and places for the things. But you can see the tension in the trade shows. Um, there was a trade show that I liked very much when it first started that now has become a thing that I will not go to. It's just, it's a, it's a thing. Um, IMATS, which is the, one of the really big makeup trade shows, they did something that I like that probably influencers hate, but they kind of sequestered the influencers over in their own little hall. Mm. And because IMATS was started by union film artists, so they're yeah. not about that necessarily, although they, they did work with us in the beauty community a lot to try and bridge that gap, because at first it wasn't even, beauty wasn't even involved. Um, so he wouldn't let his trade show, he being Michael Key, the one who uh, started IMATS, he wouldn't let his show be overrun by the influencer culture. He's like, no, my show is for pro artists. So I'll acknowledge the fact that there is this segment of the industry that exists, but you're not gonna run pro artists out of my show. That's why I started the show. Um, whereas other shows have totally been overrun by the influencer culture. So the, the, the tension is, is real and it's really dynamic. And for me, as someone who both operates as a makeup artist in this 2018 world, um, but who also teaches and is kind of an influencer in that way, it's, uh, it's strenuous. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> dealing with my students, I'm just, I mean, I've had students who blow me off because I didn't have, you know, 100,000 followers on Instagram like XYZ person. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I think that might segue into what is media makeup. Yeah. So media makeup is, um, because you used to be able to say, it used to be a more clear delineation between this artist is a film artist, this artist is a television artist, this artist is an uh, artist for photography. That has become more vague as the industry changed. There's more crossover. So just because you're with an agency doesn't mean that you won't necessarily be in the union on a television show as well, mm. et cetera, et cetera. So media makeup is just the umbrella for those of us who work for the media arts as opposed to... Uh, private clients or bridal or influencer culture and all that. So uh, my little world, like I said, is I'm primarily uh, print photography, but even that is uh, semi-shenanigans on my part because <laughs> I've, I've done a lot of event television. I've never done episodic television, which is the kind that, used to, that tends to fall under the union, so like your CSIs and... I'm dating myself. You can tell I don't really watch episodic television because that was the first show that came to mind. But um, so I do a lot of award shows. Um, I recently just worked on the BET Awards, for example. Um, <clears throat> I did a lot of time. I don't anymore, but I did a, spent a good amount of field uh, time in the fields doing the MTV Awards, MTV Film Awards. So, you know, all that kind of stuff bridges together nowadays. It's not as distinct. Like, if you do print, you'll only do print. I do think that print is, by and large, my bread and butter. And, of course, by print, do we even mean print anymore nowadays? Not as much. Uh, We're really yeah. talking about digital. You know, every now and again, I'll get something come out in, like, actual print, and I'm like, woohoo! <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> and the digital thing has changed makeup a lot, too, actually. I actually had a, um, one of the main studios where I work changed lights. So now we're shooting parabolic light. And I oh. had to uh, figure out how that changed the makeup, because mm -hmm. it did. Mm -hmm. It was subtle, but it definitely made a difference. So, you know, anyway. So with media makeup, you have to think about all that kind of stuff. 
with medium makeup, um, it's not as much of a WYSIWYG. It's not just a what you see is what you get situation. You have to know what you did is how what you did is going to translate to whatever the medium is, mm. um, <clears throat> which is strikingly still strikingly different between film and, and digital, which I do like that. Um, digital just really captures everything. I mean, really, that's one of the big changes is just the whole HD thing and how much camera details camera get overall nowadays, motion yeah. or still. Uh, it's pretty crazy for us in the makeup field. Um, but like I said, yeah, and oh, I forgot, being a personal artist can also fall under the media makeup artist. So I have friends who are personal artists for celebrities, and that falls under that bandwagon. Um, uh, going on tour with an artist falls under that bandwagon, which I've done that. I've never been anyone's personal, but I have gone on tour. That's a moment. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> can we mention I, who it is? I cannot really oh, mention okay. who it is, oh, but right. yeah. Um, I can mention other friends who, who have done those things. Uh, like my friend Chris has toured with Madonna a few times. Mm -hmm. And that's crazy. Uh, he had crazy tales from that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, that I may or may not have known firsthand. Um, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, so it's just a broad umbrella term of a lot of things that you can do nowadays under the 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 banner of media makeup, but it's still quite a bit different. Like when I do, I don't do like weddings and all what have you, but I do have a few private clients that I'll do like if they're going to whatever mm -hmm. bill. It's amazing what people will get makeup done to go to nowadays. Like Coachella is actually really common. Yeah. People will pay for makeup bars so they can wow. go to Coachella. Okay, <laughs> okay cool. Um, but uh, I do have some of those kinds of clients and even the way I apply the makeup is um, can be different because I have to be mindful of the fact that this person is going to have to live in this makeup without me for however many hours afterwards. In the um, and in the desert if they're going to Coachella. I don't know about that, but you know, people do it. More power to them. Um, what I will say is my friends and even the way I approach my event clients, since we, my friends who are photographic or media makeup artists who also do like bridal or what have you, um, one of my friends is already booking 2020 because we approach everything like a photographic event. So just because you're doing a bridal or, you know, like one of my clients is a high powered lawyer who goes to a lot of events. Well, what's going to happen to them? Like the second they get there the whole time. And so our people look great. You know, even mm -hmm. with Aunt Mildred taking a picture on her, you know, razor while she's crying <laughs> with, with mascara running down her face. You know, the, our makeup still looks fantastic. So, yeah. So that's, that's, uh, yeah, I guess that's how I would put media makeup. That is a large umbrella. It's a very large umbrella. And so it's one of the things that, um, when I'm working with students, I try to help them navigate where it is exactly that they want to go. Because you do, even though there's a lot of overlap nowadays and what have you, to kind of get the ball rolling, you need to pick something and go with it. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't just be, because it's easy to end up doing a lot of a random assortment of jobs and never really end up with a career. And I think that's where film becomes, breaks off, film and episodic TV, the two union things, really kind of break off and become their own world. Um, yeah, so it's easy to end up with just doing a 
random assortment of things and never landing on a career. Film and TV, because they are union things and just because uh, the way they're scheduled, um, the way they're shot, the whole Johnson, it's kind of its own world. Um, so if that's what people want to do, they need to make a decision on that and do the things necessary to go into that. And I will say that um, the hiring process is also really different from that for those types of jobs. So you're not even meeting the same people that you need to meet in order to do pretty much all the other kinds of jobs. They're really its own island. So I do, part of the reason why I talk about media makeup so much with my students is just helping them navigate how they're gonna end up where it is they wanna end up. Mm -hmm. Very important question. Alrighty. What is your job actually like versus what do people think you do? Ah, uh, yes. Makeup. When people hear makeup, <clears throat> they think uh, glamour mm -hmm. and they think endless parties and fabulosity and they think all types of uh, just, you know, one of my mentors, who I, I mentioned before, she mentioned that you have to know where your place is in the pecking order and that you can't be too grand. And I think that a lot of aspiring makeup artists think that they're just going to be this grand diva whose fabulousness is just going to emanate throughout the photo shoot in the form of pixie dust and rainbows. <laughs> and it is uh, pretty much really nothing like that. Um, makeup is anywhere from really mundane at times um, to really physically demanding yeah. a lot of the time. Uh, to a lot of psychology and keeping people happy a lot of the time. For whatever reason, no matter what it is, people come to make up for it. We're expected to have everything and be ready all the time. Um, so the reality of my job is it's a lot more work. And I, and I try to break that down to people that it, of course, there are times when it's when it can be extraordinarily fabulous. I've had some really amazing experiences that were just like, wow, I can't believe I'm here. But I've also more often than not, uh, even on the times where I couldn't believe it here, it was still a lot of work. I mean, it was awesome work, but it was still a lot of work. <laughs> and then all this, me being a grand diva walking onto set and, you know, rose petals at my feet and all these types of things that I see people in social media and I hear people talking about, I'm like, no, that's just absolutely, if you are going to be a working artist, it is absolutely going to be nothing like that whatsoever. It's going to be a lot of hard work. A lot of hard work. A lot more physical than people realize, yeah. too, which um, is an issue for makeup artists because I'm, I'm not a newbie, so I'm not as young anymore. <laughs> and um, but you got to keep going. No one cares. Like like if they hired you, yep. so they figured you must be able to do it. So get cracking. <laughs> yeah, you know, here in Southern California, one of the favorite places to shoot is El Matador, oh, which yeah. is a seven mile hike down to the beach, and which means it's a seven mile hike back up from the beach, which uh, with all your stuff. And I've done that many times. I haven't been happy one of those times. <laughs> Have not been happy yet, but. I've done it many times. I do love that location. Yeah. What do you love most about your career? I am really, uh, I think like most people, 
Let me back up the track a little bit. I think the thing that makes media artists go into media artists is the art of makeup. So part of why I was drawn to this is the infinite possibility of what I can do with makeup. So it doesn't always consist of making a pretty girl looking pretty or trying to make a woman look like herself but pretty or any of that. You know, it's uh, the sky can really be the limit on some of the projects that work. And now a lot of what I actually do on a day to day is making a pretty girl look pretty, which, OK, yes. But uh, which even in that, there's a lot of joy in that. But I just really love the possibility of the creativity and um, when I go into a new situation, and this is probably why I like new projects every time, I don't go into it with any preconceived ideas of what I'm going to do or, or any of that. I like to just get there, see what's happening, and go from there and make it happen. I also really like, um, and this is specific to uh, print photography, because it can be pretty different when you're working on a production. But in print photography, I love how, how collaborative the team is. And yeah. like, well, what do you think about what well, well, I think? Well, but it's bad to be, you know, and that back and forth is really awesome. And um, it's a different experience from what a lot of people are used to, where you get to just do whatever you want and just kind of drop the mic from there. It's, it's really uh, about, because it's not about me. And I think that's the big thing. It's not about Tanya Russell's individual fabulousness. It's about the finished result of the project. And all of us bringing our individual fabulosity together to make this one final fabulous product. And I love that. And I've been doing that for a million years. And I have not gotten tired of it yet. And I will probably never get tired of that. Nice. That's when you know it's passion. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because I will still run out the door for a good, I got called for an editorial, and they were like, well, there's no budget. And I was like, no, that's fine. Where do you want me to go? <laughs> like, yeah. Yep. Because you get to play. Yeah. You get to create and be with other creatives and just do something gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And then you can just stare at it forever until you get tired of it and you're ready for something else. You're on to the next. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. But, for five minutes there, I'm all over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for real, though. Yeah, no, it is. Kind of like being creative is also being crazy. And we get tired of our stuff really quickly. And that is why we always want new stuff. Yeah, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. You said it. So you got to be out. Well, people have to know who you are to get booked. How do you make that happen? How do you market yourself? Um, I have to be honest that, yes, social media, okay, and that's a reality, whether people like it or not, okay? I have so many people that I encounter that are so resistant to the social medias, and it's like, well, that's not going anywhere. So that is part of what I do, but I have to say I also keep it fairly old school. Yeah. Um, and old school not even meaning like emails or whatever. I'm big on like the handwritten note. I'm big on the old school promo piece. And what I'm finding, I mean, I probably, if I had any sense, I wouldn't even be saying this right now. Because what I'm finding is, because everything has gone so overboard towards the, the you know, those stupid email blasts that, like, you know, you send out 20 bazillion emails, and if you're lucky, 1% of the people that you send it to will read it. And, you know, I understand that you got to do that to an extent, but I do find that um, the old school 
works and also makes you stand out because people just aren't getting that as much anymore, particularly from makeup. I still see photographer promos and stuff happening or what have you. I think that's still a part of, of y'all's life. But um, for makeup, apparently, just based on some of the response I get, that's really nearly died off. And I'm like, oh, that's bizarre because I would, you know, you can't really talk about what my makeup looks like. You need to, need to see it, you know? <laughs> um, so I do that. Um, I, am, have ne I have to be honest that I have never been extraordinarily into the networking event. Uh, yeah, I'm just not too into them. Um, I have gotten better at doing more of that kind of work when I go to the trade shows. Um, I don't know if it's just me or, I, it's not just me because I see it with a lot of my friends too. I think that if you're artistic, there's a level of social awkwardness kind of there. And so I'll just be real, I'm not socially smooth. I do not work the room. I'm not one of these people who secretly like the super phantasmagoric marketer underneath it all. I do what I need to do so that I can work and, and live and what have you. But it's a little bit, the live marketing events are kind of a little thing. But I do, um, but I do think what, when artists go to the trade shows, they should be going to the trade shows not just to shop. Um, that's kind of a, uh, an issue in my life is, um, you know, it's supposed to be for the trade. You can go, sh go shop on your own personal time. Um, um, and I do, a, I guess, a level of emailing. Now, I have been represented through an artist, through an artist agency before, and it's kind of different when you're repped versus when you're not repped. And I kind of have a toe in the world of, of being represented again. So we'll see what happens with that. Because that actually, obviously, that's what their job is. Um, and you're a partner with that person to make it happen. But it's mostly their job to go do all that. But uh, for me, I like to keep it old school. I like to keep it kind of more one-on-one, -on -one, kind of personal, a little bit more authentic as opposed to just the big. Because the goal for me with marketing, I got into a, a lightweight argument <laughs> with a photographer friend of mine about this. The goal, because he's like, well, how do you just contact a widespread of people and all this? And I'm like, why don't, and this is what I've learned through social media, this is where social media has been good, is I don't want to reach a widespread of people. I don't want somebody who wants to hire a makeup artist. I want somebody who wants to hire me. And so, and that comes with, that affects, you know, the type of makeup, because I don't want somebody, like I've had people contact me and they wanted full-on Kardashian makeup. And it's like, well, if you're looking at my stuff, there's nothing to suggest that I'm gonna suddenly do Kardashian makeup. That's not what I do. Um, I also don't wanna fight with you for 29 days over the rate. Like, this is the rate. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to be like Tom Pichot and Pat McGrath, but I'm also not trying to do $50 a face. So somewhere in there between Tom Pichot and $50 is the truth. <laughs> And that's where we need to be. And um, so I find that just keeping it more localized, really identifying clients who I think will identify with me and want to hire me um, gets me more of an ideal client as opposed to just kind of a vague whatever, we just need a makeup artist this one day type of thing. Mm -hmm. Although if you need a makeup artist for one day, that's fine. But. <laughs> In general, I want to build like more of a true clientele. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, you want somebody who wants you, like you said. Yeah, yes. it makes a huge difference. Yeah.
they definitely respect you a lot more. They just treat you completely differently when they when they want you. And I had a job actually that I couldn't do. I had to refer it off to a friend of mine because um, uh, their schedule changed, and then it changed to a time when I couldn't do it, and all this type of thing. And because we had a relationship, they trusted me when I said that no, this person can do the job and it'll be great. And like, you know, halfway through the shoot, they texted me. Yeah, this person that you referred is amazing. Oh my God, thank you. Because they were flying all the way from London. They don't need it to not work. They need <laughs> they need it to happen. And just having that kind of trust and having that kind of relationship. And I'm also not worried. Like next time they come over about once a year, so I'm not worried that next time they're not going to hire me. It's like I know they're going to hire me, you know. And that's great. That's what I want out of my marketing. Not just an endless slogging my book around. You know, going door to door, <laughs> trying to get somebody to to buy the newspaper from me. That's not what I want. Yeah. Well, thanks for watching. Uh, be sure to check out part two of our interview with Tanya, where she discusses uh, iconic music videos she's worked on. Death Row, Britney. We'll see you next time. <laughs>